Welcome to the podcast from heartache to healing and hope. Season two, weathering the storm, cultivating kindness. And I'm your host, Bernadette Wintersbell. podcast from heartache to healing and hope and I'm Bernadette Winters Bell your host and wait till you see who I have a guest for us today this is Joanne Von Swirling and I hope that I'm pronouncing your name right Joanne did I do a, a fair job with that oh almost but nobody's ever gotten it correctly it's Von Zwell Von Zwell Ooh. Von Zwell Sounds uh, historical and uh, maybe a little royal. Very nice. Wonderful. Well, welcome, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. You know, of the two of us, I'm going to guesstimate that you know yourself better than I do. So would you be so kind as to introduce yourself to my audience? Uh, yes, I'm uh, Joanne Bonswell. I live in Long Island, New York. I have three children, one who passed uh, last year. And, um, and I'm an artist, I do portraits, I do religious work, and I run the Rosa Mystica Foundation of America in upstate New York. Beautiful, beautiful. The short biography. <laughs> I love it. And I love the setting where you are. You have so much natural light coming in. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I live on the water here. So I um, in Centerport. So it's just Oh, you're so you're up on the North Shore. Beautiful. Yes. Yeah, it's beautiful. I wake up every day and I look out and see the water. And now like, I'm actually like looking at the birds. Mm -hmm. When I moved in here, someone said, Oh, you're gonna love the birds. And I thought, Oh, he's crazy. And then I I'll be on a meeting. The and birds, I'm, like, I'm busy. Right? Oh my goodness, where's the other swan? And where's this? <laughs> I love it. The water can be so restorative looking yes. at it and, and keeping us calm or getting us calm, you know? That's yeah, absolutely that way. wonderful. So, um, you, you do paintings? Is that the kind of artistry that you do? Uh, yes, I do oil paintings and portraits. Um, and, you know, I have a lot of uh, well-known clients and I've done work, actually the religious work all over the world. So that's uh, what I do for a living. And originally I was a, a business major and was in finance mm -hmm. and foreclosures. And, uh, and when I adopted my children, I said, I, I just cannot do what I'm doing and be a mother. It wouldn't be possible. Uh, so I did, I always wanted to be an artist. And uh, my father said, no, you will never be an artist because I don't want to, I was one of six. He didn't want to support any of us and I don't blame him. <laughs> so I went, I got into business. I, I did semi well and I was able to uh, switch careers later in life and uh, started oil painting and I always wanted to do it. So I kind of had a knack for it. So now I do, uh, I do mostly uh, families, uh, individual portraits, dogs, horses. Love it. And then I do, which I'm the most well-known for, religious paintings. So do you do that in churches around the world? Where is it you do that so work? I do, usually I'll get commissioned. They'll have something that they need and right. I'll get commissioned to, um, to do a painting. A lot of times they let me do what I like because they know my work. Right. And um, 
and it, it's it's beautiful. It's like sometimes I'll do book covers uh, and other things, and I'll read the book and I'll pray about it and think, okay, you know, what am I what am I really feeling from this? Right. And um, and most of my clients, um, you know, within reason, they let me do what I I feel inspired by the Holy Spirit to do. Beautiful. So, um, so well, I, I love they can look at your work and have a sense of your aesthetic. Um, you know, you want to, I would anyway, want to trust the artist um, and not micromanage them. Right, you, right. You say, love your work. Now, here's what I want. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And is this in uh, watercolors or oils? All oils. I only work in, uh, in oils. And then I do like a lot of uh, reproductions. You know, I just did one for a church in Iowa that they were reproducing like 10 foot copies of one of my paintings. So, um, so I love the oils because uh, it gives you time to work with them and, uh, and the colors are so much richer. Yeah, they're very saturated in the oil. Yes, right? yeah, yes. yeah. Oh, so that, as you're describing it, I'm, I'm thinking of doing religious um, paintings to begin with, and then in the oils, that particular medium. Right. And it has such a spiritual sense to it, it feels to me. Yes. To do that work, um, it, it's art, it's work, but there's another piece to it there I'm hearing from you. Yeah. The, um, well, with the, with the spiritual too, a lot of times people come up to me and they'll see a painting and I like to do paintings that don't tell the whole story. So if you look at them, they look, it's fine art. It's very right. specific. Um, but I like to leave something mysterious that people can piece together their, their own imagination or have what you don't ever want as an artist. You don't want somebody to look at your work and not be moved by it and hopefully right. hopefully be moved in a good way exactly. <laughs> not a bad way but though it does happen but you you art should evoke something it should evoke emotions um even if it's just a, a portrait of a mother and a daughter like you know you, you want to be able to see yourself in there or relate to something to there and one of the most famous paintings it was a series that i ever did is i did the life of christ in his feet. So they're, uh, they're like three feet by three feet. There's six paintings, but it's only the feet. So it's, it was amazing first that everybody were drawn to it. Cause at first I was like, oh my goodness, I hope they don't think I'm crazy. But if you do like one of them is a crucifixion. So you just see the feet and, and the nail there and it lets you put all the other pieces together. So if we see something that we're used to seeing, we get desensitized toward it. But if we see a piece of something sometimes, and you, then you, you jump into the painting right. and bring your own story to life in the painting. I love it. As you're, you're talking, I'm thinking about when they stage homes and um, like I'm looking in your beautiful home now with the light coming in, but I'm not seeing art. So people can picture themselves in it because it doesn't, from this angle, right. <laughs> have it personalized. And that's what people want to do, whether it's a, a book 
or a painting or a home or anything that we want to connect with or an artist wants us to connect with. I love that. Was one of the um, paintings you did of him in sandals? Um, well, I did. I did the Blessed Mother's arms, hands holding baby Jesus. And then I did uh, just Jesus and Joseph, their feet, but there's just their toes are touching with the bare feet. And the next one is walking on water. Mm. Then it goes to the crucifixion. Then the resurrection, I just did the cave and the footprints. Ah. And then for the ascension, I did the feet rising up to heaven with the Holy Spirit, like you see way in the background. But for me too, it's a life story. So like we're born and everything's beautiful and there's nothing that can go wrong. And then we build relationships, like the one that that's a father and son. So it's Jesus and Joseph, but we all build relationships. And the next thing you're walking on water, you just got a new job or you just got married, grandchildren or children and life is fantastic. The next one, because they go in a row, is a crucifixion. So life doesn't always stay here. That's you know, right. it's it, it's the lows and the highs. So after the crucifixion and the, the falling, you know, what happens in our life or the tragedies, because life can never be without tragedy. That's right. So is the, then you just see the footprints coming out of the cave. So we're coming out of this tragedy. We're not the same. We don't come out of that tragedy the same. Hopefully, if we turn it into a benefit, we're coming out better. And then the last one is the ascension, which connotates hope. So we can never lose hope. If we lose hope, we're lost. Maybe I should commission you to do some painting. <laughs> description of the work that I do. You know, it's life, loss, and grief. And the gifts of the dying and the gifts of the grieving and the gifts of the pandemic and all these things. Right. Uh, because we are given the opportunity or forced to learn things that we wouldn't right. learn otherwise. Right. Uh, so what you're saying is a beautiful way to express um, what I've been sharing with people for a very <laughs> long time. I just love, I can picture the paintings, probably not as beautiful as they are, but I'm, you allow us to um, imagine the story, you know? Yes, thank you. And, and forced is a great word because I don't think any of us like change. I mean, if we had our druthers, everything would, we'd wake up every day and everything would be roses. Right. So change is usually, except for some extraordinary people, mostly change, you know, sometimes comes upon us with force. Well, and I have said for years, change is good, change is hard. And, and, and if, if we didn't have the changes forced upon us, we right. wouldn't learn those things. Because as I've said many times, and actually in a, a former podcast, we don't learn these really profound lessons sitting on a beach with a Mai Tai. And right. <laughs> you know, right. Right. You might learn some other lessons, but you might not, you might want to take them with you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Those aren't the profound ones. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so speaking of profound lessons, um, you mentioned um, your child uh, that passed. I can only imagine that kind of situation and what you learned from that, that you didn't want to learn. But right. It, you know, right. You know, um, before I mention that, my 
my mother had passed a few months before. And it just so happens today, and I didn't realize that when we scheduled this, was is the one year anniversary of her passing. Oh, so mom. I think that, yes, yep, to, it's today of all days. So a god. Wonderful. What is mom's first name? Noreen. Noreen, a nice Irish woman. Oh, cool. <laughs> Noreen, thank you for this. I appreciate yes, it. Thank yeah. you, mom. <laughs> right. right. Wonderful. Uh, but then a few months later, I, I lost my daughter and it was like you always experience loss, but you think, and you, and I'm a person that empathizes with people. They say a loss, I think, oh my goodness and everything else. But until you go through, through such a tragedy, you can't imagine the pain. And one of the books I read, which was great, says, I just want somebody to jump into my body for two minutes right. so they know how I feel because people are lovely and they want to help out, but they don't know. And you don't really, even when you want to, even when I've had friends with situations, I, you know, you, you feel you're like you're empathizing, but there's the pain is really great. You know, the truth is, is that you don't know till you know. Right. <laughs> and you can only empathize and be in their shoes as much as you can, having not experienced that. Right. Right. You, exactly. You what you want. Um, and, but you don't know. You don't and know. Also, our lives as friends or family of someone that has experienced a profound loss their lives go on. Right. And you might feel like, oh no, I don't want the world to go on. This has to stop because, because right. this is what I've experienced. Yeah. And so when someone shares that they're pre-pandemic, get ready to go out to dinner with friends or to the movie and stuff, like, really? Yeah. <laughs> like, what are you doing that for? Don't you know my daughter died? You know, right. Right, right. Yeah, it's, it's difficult because well, but some of them were things. Right. Trying to be helpful, you know. Trying to be helpful, yeah. And have we spoken about, you know, some people say things that are considered appropriate but are stupid. Right, right. <laughs> I think nobody will know that I know what this you know you don't wish it anybody to know so anyway the the film with the best thing sometimes to show up to, <laughs> it's you know it's just be there if somebody has a tragedy or you know no matter what degree it is sometimes you just need to be there and sometimes you can't even say like what do you say and it's sometimes well, it's okay to say I don't know what to say, but I'm here. Right. You know, we don't really live in a culture that does well with just being here. Right. People say, oh, okay, but what can I do? And they mean do. Do you want me to go to the store for you? Do you want me to fluff your pillows? Do you want me to do this? Do you want me to do this? And that they get. But just to be present with someone is right. a hard thing that I don't think we see a lot of examples of. And yeah. you're right. when you're walking with a grieving person on that journey, they don't need someone to say, well, when God closes a door, he opens another window or this or that or the other, just be there. 
you know, allow them to talk or cry or not say anything and walk, just be there. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Because I don't know where something's at and, um, and, and people are are wonderful and they mean the the best, but some tragedies are are so tragic. You know, you don't ever think that it's somewhere else. I read that, you know, after this happened, I read a lot of books because I had to, get my grounding again and you know it said when in when an old person dies you mourn the past when a young person dies you mourn the, the future that that will not be right right, right. absolutely so, so it's different you thinking all the things that we have planned and everything it just it just it's almost not believable to yourself it takes such a a long time and it comes in such different stages and um and for me i am lucky i'm a very faithful person and people were like oh did you lose your faith over this and i'm like no i had nowhere else to go <laughs> that, was, <laughs> that was my only anchor it was like i didn't have well, to that's it. it you hang on to what you yeah, know. yeah like okay I'm not losing that you know right right i was just gonna say that um from listening to you i can tell that your faith held you aloft right right sink yes and being grounded is one of the only things that will keep us able to move along or stay steady whatever's needed at the time wow and you know what something else was really great for me is listening like you have a, a, a show about this and it was listening to uh uh podcasts or shows or something like that too where there's other people that walked your walk already. Right. And it's so beautiful that people come out and they do that. I know for me, like one was Kay Warren mm-hmm. and I like, I just kept listening to her and Shara saying like, I tried everything, I did everything. And so you feel like, okay, wait a minute. I, I'm not alone and, and here's somebody else. So when, when people take tragedies and they talk about them, it really helps people, especially those people that are, are right in the beginning when it's so raw. Absolutely, that they know, first of all, someone's walked that walk before, not exactly the same because we're all different. Right. But someone's been through a tra- tragedy and has come out and they're still alive. They're still talking. They got up and got dressed and had breakfast. Yeah. That gives you hope for your future. Exactly. And, and also too, you know, if I ever knew this was going to happen to me, I didn't think I would be okay. Right. You don't think I, you know, I thought, oh, okay. Like I pray, okay, God, anything but that. Right. Right. And and well, that's why when people say, I don't know how you do it. And what they're saying is I can't imagine that I could get through it. And you might be thinking, you don't know how I got through it. I got up every day and tried to put one foot in front of the other. Right, right. right. When they wouldn't move, I said, God, what do you think? Are we moving along? Right. It's almost like you feel like you had no choice. You decided not to stay in bed and pull the covers over your head. Right. And you know what? Now that you're saying that kind of goes back to what I was saying before about the feet painting. Hmm. And the reason I had um, came up with that, I was reading the book and I thought, about in the life of Christ, he was, you got to put one, he was always moving. Right. He was moving, moving the feet. And I think in life, you know, is if we don't put one foot in front of the other, right. we're going to, you know, we're going to be stuck where we are. 
and we with the feet we just you have to keep moving you got to keep going on and not every day some days you know like you know you feel like a cat that's hanging on by its claws you know for, for dear life but that so that day it's okay maybe you know do little, little baby steps exactly <laughs> yeah. what i say is uh, some days we get up get dressed go out conquer the world right. and other days Mm, PJs and peanut butter and jelly. Yeah. <laughs> the biggest decision you can make is should it be creamy or crunchy? <laughs> but that's the day that I think of your soul, your spirit being low in resources and you're filling right. the bucket so right. that you can have another day to go out and use those right. resources. So it's always the balance. The tank know? is running on empty. <laughs> well, for sure, for sure. Wow. So the... Um, organization that you mentioned earlier that you've done a lot of work with. Can you tell us about that? Yes, it's the uh, Rosa Mystica Foundation. Mm -hmm. And um, it's um, uh, my family had a, um, we had a charity where we used to build churches in third world countries mm -hmm. and work with only the poor. And when I mean churches, I don't mean cathedrals too. Like it would be like an African village and they would have an altar and the rainstorm would come and the altar would be gone. So we would we were doing that all around the world and- um, Giving them and, roofs for their altar. Yeah, yeah. And we did some orphanages, um, little hospital, wells and villages, you know, where people, everybody was dying because they didn't have wells. And uh, somebody got us involved in uh, this project upstate and it was an abandoned church. And they had plans where uh, the foundation was going to come in and they were going to fix it up and they were gonna do the work. So we kind of said yes, even though we didn't do anything in America. Mm. And, um, and that kind of backfired on us where, where they came back and, and now was ours. So we said, okay, we don't do this. We're not running, you know, this place upstate. Let's give it away. So we tried to give it away and we were giving it to a priest for his organization. And the day that we tried, he had had a stroke. So he, he was okay actually the next day. But so then a few other things happened and then somebody was with my mother and they had prayed together and Basically, it was like, you know what? America's in trouble now. America needs hope. America needs God, that this is your mission now. So we stopped working all around the world, except for we still educate uh, seminarians, you know, in third world countries. And, uh, and we got involved in this project and we uh, built it up, but it's, um, it's an unbelievable place. It, it came about from a nun in Italy that the Blessed Mother was appearing to mm. as, the, as Rosa Mystica. And she had um, uh, given numbers to her one day and she didn't know what the numbers were. And she was telling you need a house of refuge. So they finally figured out that it was latitude and longitude from Italy to upstate New York in Edmonston, which is a pretty very rural area. I know. And, and then, um, and it ended up being on Angel Hill Road also, N not for any angels because the gentleman that originally had all the land was Mr. Angel. So uh, the nun had come, she did prayer fasting and adoration uh, for a few weeks to decide if this is what the Blessed Mother wanted 
to build this chapel and she decided yes these monks came from Canada and they built it and miraculous things were happening there but the winters were really tough it got abandoned and that's where we came in so now we run we do retreats and um, uh, almost every weekend uh, and we do different uh, groups everything is uh, we're a uh, a Catholic shrine open to all faiths too. So we welcome all. And um, it's really been an incredible experience. And people now are coming from all over the place because they come there and they don't leave the same. So it's kind of, it's been called like the Medjugorje of uh, United States that we're getting all these conversions and, and vocations, lots of vocations from there. And and healings and people going back to confession and and then bringing their faith back home with them too and building up other people you know and for me faith is joy so uh it's almost a little selfish sometimes with faith because <laughs> i feel like i follow it so much because i i get the joy i get and so we try to build that up on the people and let them know how you know, how that is and how, you know, if you have the faith, um, then you, then it's not all about me and everything I want and everything I think and everything else. It's something about something better and more important. It, it takes a lot of pressure off you. So it's interesting, you know, when you look at life as that something bigger than me, whether you call it God or Jesus or Buddha or universe or whatever right. term. There's something bigger, I believe, also than just us little guys. Yes. And that not only does it take the pressure off because I don't have to have all the answers. Yes. <laughs> right. Um, but that you're not in it alone. And so that can give people. And to say that faith is joy is beautiful. And let me just, uh, I don't know, correct is the right word. I'll add to something you said. You said that that makes it feel like selfish sometimes. So I don't have a good word that I think is a positive version of selfish, but I've been looking a long time. <laughs> but I think it's wonderful self-care to say, yeah. let me hold on to the joy that this love, this faith gives me and others can see that too. Because yeah. you're right, that's what sustains us through so many things. Wow. Do they have one of your paintings there? Oh, we have lots of them. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm feeling yeah, a field trip in my future. Okay. okay, yeah, yes, we have we have lots of the uh, the paintings there, and um, and it's really beautiful. We have a main chapel, an adoration chapel, a little God the Father, and we renovated the original uh, little. Uh, it was actually like a little garage kind of that that Mother Leonardi came. And in that prayer fasting, and that's kind of one of my favorite places because you can feel, you know, the, the holiness there. Oh, that kind of energy, right? Yeah. Wow. So, what changed for you during the pandemic? Um, the, you know, I'm a real social person too. So, um, what I realized a little bit during the pandemic I, is how I was moving too quickly. You know, and just to stop and take a breath and uh, realize like, what kind of crazy schedule is this? You know, that, uh, that you're leading, you know? And uh, 
not really a person that operates with fear. I actually, I, I, I think I got COVID when nobody knew what COVID was. And then I did get it again, probably because I, um, I just, you know, and I, I got sick, but I don't operate from, from fear, you know, and I, and I was, I was lucky, you know, that I think that what with my mother, what happened is before anybody knew what COVID is, I think that was what happened to her. Right. And, um, you know, and ultimately, you know, it led to her passing. So I don't want to take it lightly either. Right. But, um, but I, I, so I enjoyed working from home and not getting in the car and I got to be here, I got to be there. And I didn't realize how crazy I was. So I wasn't crazy. Exactly. So many people, that balance that I was talking about before, when you're on the gerbil wheel. Yeah. Yeah. Thinking that this is what I have to do. I have to go to the store and go do this and then call this one. (laughs) Right. And when you sit and relax, okay, what do I have to do now? Relaxing is like a a nanosecond. Right. Right. And when you have minutes, hours, days, months to just say, oh, maybe that wasn't so good for my spirit, right? And to see what else, and to be, like we talked about before. We don't always have to be doing to be successful or to be accomplishing things. We can just be, whether it's being with a person or just being like this, because isn't that when meditation or deep breathing or prayer works best, you know? Right. And not that you have to get up in the morning and be like, I got to go. I got to be here. And and even just the gym, like I was a person that tried to squeeze the gym in. And like, then I did like a little class online, you know, that it was, you know, instead of an hour, 20 minutes. I'm like, I like this so much better. (laughs) And then I have to get there, leave, you know, and just like, and fit all this stuff in, you know, I miss the, um, the socialization. Absolutely. You know? So after, after a little while, like, this is great. I'm like, okay, enough's enough. Cause I'm thinking, okay, we could do this for two weeks, three weeks, four weeks. So it did go on a little <laughs> longer than anybody was planning. And I miss the, you know, going out and seeing people and, you know, just the, the action, you know, when. Absolutely. And now that it's, opening up a bit in, in, in different ways in different places. Uh, but still we're like, hmm, how much into it do I want to get? I want some socialization. That right. balance. Yes. Be able to go out, but yet come home and have that solace that the yeah. silence can bring, you know? Right. You don't have to go out as much or, right. you know, it's, uh, uh, I took a trip down to Florida a month or two ago and, but it was w- before we opened up in New York and it was wide open, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, people, lines, <laughs> like, uh, this is great. <laughs> right. Like who would ever think you'd miss a line, you know? Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, exactly. For the, well, the only line we were getting is the food store. <laughs> exactly. So, um, of all the things you've talked about, and it's so interesting. What gives you hope for the future? Um, I feel like uh, that, I mean, for me, you know, uh, being a Catholic too, it's our hope is our eternal life. Mm-hmm. And when this happened, I thought myself a very good Catholic and I realized, you know what? I was really on the fence. 
Mm. You know, I was, okay, I'm, I'm good, God, as long as uh, you don't do A, B, and C, I'll do this. If he follows the rules, you're good. Yeah, yeah. So this gives me, um, it, it inspires me to do better mm. so that I can go to heaven and be with my daughter. It, um, and I think, too, that just to, because I miss her so much, but I, I, it inspires me to also... I think about before this happened, my prayers, they were always for my children, of course, first and my family and everything else. But a lot of them were shallow, like things that I thought were just so important. Um, it's a little bit of a, of a fring where the worst thing that could ever happen to you happened. So you're, you're like, I'm not so afraid of something bad happening because it I know happened. I can live through it. That's and right. I never it thought happened. I'd be able to. It already happened and you've lived through it. So it's not that you don't fear anything, but it has a different gravitas to it right. than you've had in the past. Right. Well, you know, in thinking about getting ready for our uh, talk today, I decided I would wear jewelry. I just recently purchased for my birthday, <laughs> honor it, but I wanted to honor you with Aww. butterflies. Oh, I love butterflies. It, butterflies. It makes you think of those past, right? Right. And the abalone, you know, the changing colors. Yes. Gems, but it, that it has such, the sterling silver gives it, or the pearls give it that grounding and, and, and yet it has flight and independence. Right and then connected. So I wore these for you and for oh, you. Oh, thank you, thank you. <laughs> and that's a beautiful analogy too. We be grounded. Absolutely. And had flight though too at the same time. The balance. The that balance. Would be a trademark, I think. Yeah. <laughs> like a magic trick or balancing balls. <laughs> well, I wanna thank you so much for being on my podcast from heartache to healing and hope. You've been a inspirational, guest today and I can't wait for people to know and to hear your story from it and we'll make sure that we put up information um, both about your paintings um, and the beautiful church that's there and everything so that people can avail themselves of it so it's been a pleasure thank you so much for being this thank you special gift today thank you.